Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. I'm getting to talk to a buddy of mine. In fact, this is really long overdue. I'm talking to my friend Dan Burkholder. Dan, how you doing, man? Doing really well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff, but we'll go ahead and pray, and, uh, and then we'll find out about this new work that you're doing. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for a brother and a friend and all the new things that you're doing in his life. I thank you that he's continuing to move on, press forward, and 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 trying new things. And I thank you for this new work that he and Eric is doing and uh, I'm excited to hear about it. And so lead this conversation. I trust that you're going to point us to Jesus. And I pray for everybody listening in that they would be encouraged and challenged and, and really fired up to, to get out and continue to build something to do, um, to do something that's going to be helpful and do something with their hands, do something that with their mind, that's going to be uh, for the good of their family and for your kingdom. And uh, I trust that you're going to do that. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, why don't we go ahead and start with just a general intro here. Tell us about, about yourself, Dan, and uh, tell us a little about your family and then what it is that you do. Sure, thanks. I'm a pastor at uh, Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah with Brian Sauvé. Some of you may have heard Brian on past uh, Shepherd's Crook episodes. Uh, I'm the executive pastor. My background, however, is in the hunting and shooting industry. Um, up in Wisconsin and ended up in Utah. I'm uh, married to just one wife, which is important when you're in Utah to mention. Yep. And I have three little boys, uh, three and under. So we're, we're, we're full. And uh, yeah, I just launched a business with my buddy, uh, Eric Kahn. And that's why, that's why we're on. Awesome. Very cool. So what's your, uh, what's your concealed carry gun? Uh, right here is a Glock 19. Okay. There you go. I mean, pretty ordinary. Okay. Pretty reliable. Yeah. So yeah, just so happen to have it on me. So <laughs> like always. Yeah, that's right. You, you always need. I saw so I saw a meme going around that said if uh, two masks or however many effect, however you know percentage effective, three masks are that much more. And then underneath that, it said is if one gun is this effective, two guns are this effective, then three guns are going to be ninety yes. percent effective. So yes, <laughs> I like I like those stats better. That's good. That's good. So. I do. Yeah. But I carry, I just carry a little Taurus. It was 229 bucks. It's nine mil. Um, and I, I really love it. I was going to carry a 38 special Smith and Wesson, but I didn't like carrying a revolver. And so I picked yeah. up this, this Taurus. And for me, I mean, it works out pretty good. I, man, I mean, people love hate Taurus. I mean, it's a budget gun, but I mean, it's been good for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, well, let's uh, talk a little bit about what's going on with this new, with this new work. Uh, I'm really excited. Actually, when I got to hang out with you a couple of years ago, I guess it's been a year and a half ago now, um, had a great time, found out that you were a hunter. And then since then I became a hunter. I just started hunting that same year that we met. I think, what was that, Dan? Was that like beginning of 2019? Uh, yeah, it was January, I think of 2019. Okay. Yeah. So actually, yeah, two years ago now, uh, flew out, hung out in Utah. We drove 10 hours North to Moscow, Idaho and had a blast. I still don't know how Brian, Brian didn't fall asleep. He had picked me up. He going on like, you know, 30 minutes of sleep, maybe something like that. Wild man. Dude. I mean, it's just intense. I I mean, I would have fallen asleep and killed everybody. No doubt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but since then became a hunter, and so I'm really excited about your about your work. But why don't you go and just uh, lay out what you're doing with Eric, and uh, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. My good friend Eric Kahn and I started a podcast uh, called The Wilderness Warrior. Uh, it's a podcast. Calling it a hunting show would be doing it a disservice because it's it's much more than that. It's not less than a hunting show, but it is much more than that. So on this podcast, what we're really talking about is uh, one of the last areas of our existence to where men can be forged. Men can be built in their character and in virtue by doing hard things. And um, doing hunting does just that and being outdoors does just that. And so the premise of the show is, and our tagline is forging dangerous men in wild places. And so our idea is that we want to cultivate masculinity uh, for this current generation and to give fathers a good target to hit for their sons mm. in raising men in the future uh, by using the wild places in order to do that. And so that's the premise of the show. And so we'll be talking a lot about masculine virtue. We'll be talking about um, doing difficult things. We'll be talking about what targets should you be aiming for as a man. Um, and we'll also be doing some hunts and some other interesting things. We've got a lot of ideas for video uh, going forward. So uh, just with my experiences growing up in the Midwest and Eric growing up in Colorado and some of the adventures that we'll be, we'll be doing and, and involving our families in, uh, I think it'll be really interesting going forward. Dude, that's awesome. That's a, literally a combination of everything that I think is cool into one, <laughs> into one yeah. media complex. And I absolutely yeah, love yeah. it. Absolutely oh, love yeah. it. So well done. And I, I love that training, training sons. I mean, this is something you're thinking about multi-generationally. This isn't just you and Eric having a good time, but there's, there's intentionality and purpose behind that. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that. Absolutely. You know, Eric has, uh, his boys are a little bit older. They're uh, eight to 13. He's got three of them. My three boys are, you know, three and under. And so it's going to be kind of funny to see how we uh, have to, you know, manage and, and raise our boys differently. Yeah. You know, he's taking his oldest son, Benjamin, out elk hunting already. He shot two elk last year, you know. Yeah, pretty and, cool. And taking a three-year-old out hunting is just not possible. So you're <laughs> going to see me like, you know, taking him mushroom hunting and taking the boys fishing and stuff like that. You know, but elk hunting is, is a little bit out of reach for a three-year-old. So, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it should be interesting to see that. Love it. Well, one of the things I'm going to be rolling out here pretty soon in, in my podcast, I'm going to be doing this rites of passage episodes where it'll yeah. be a series. And, and I've got these six rites of passages that we're going to do with our sons. And one of them is that a whole month when this provide and this provide area of manhood as we're building him into a provider he's going to have to hunt and fish for all his food for a month he won't be able to have anything from our house whatever he eats he's going to have to hunt or fish for and so he's going to he's going to have to be older than six obviously but at some point and uh, he's going to have yeah. to do that it's going to be a difficult thing for him to do now you talk about difficulty though uh, yeah. some of these guys might be wondering well, what's so difficult about hunting you know can't just anybody go out and hunt well, I mean okay backcountry hunting what's the big deal about that you know even in southern Illinois where I hunt my stand is eight minutes I can be in my stand from eight minutes away from my home it's just 50 acres it's a neighbor's house I roll out of bed 
go down and climb up in the stand and I shoot my deer. And uh, I'm three for six sitting in a stand. So I've got three bucks, been at the stand six times. That's and what? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you haven't earned it. <laughs> I know. Right. And incredible. I know. Yeah. And, uh, but I am processing the meat. I am doing all that, all that uh, side of things as well. But why don't you go ahead and explain yeah. the difficulty of the kind of hunting you're talking about. And cer certainly hunting has different access points, but what you're talking about really is, is incredibly strenuous. It's incredibly difficult. You're talking about the value of doing very hard things as a man. And so why, why do you think this backcountry and what you're doing is encouraging guys to explain the difficulty of, of what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk to uh, backcountry hunting and then I'll, I'll talk to the guys who are in the Midwest and, and such. Okay. Don't easily have access to backcountry places. So yeah, backcountry hunting, uh, I'll give you an example. So two years ago, I had this genius idea that me and three other guys from my church were, were going to go into the backcountry six miles. We're going to pack our camp and we we're going to elk hunt back there. And it was, uh, it took 10 hours to get to our campsite. Wow. Uh, because we were carrying 60 pounds on our back and you're gaining 3000 vertical feet over six miles in uh, over 10,000 feet in elevation. And so you don't have the air, even if you have your legs, the lungs, man, it's tough to breathe, mm -hmm. you know? And so it becomes really challenging to do that. So you're carrying in all your food and you're carrying in your camp and all of your hunting gear, all of your knives and, and everything that goes with, you know, archery. And, and then you're also sleeping above 10,000 feet. So even in early September, when it's 90 degrees down in the valley where I live, uh, it gets uh, free, a frost at night. So it gets, you know, in the low 30s. So it's mm -hmm. very uncomfortable. I'm not going to say like, oh, it's, it's the hardest thing every, anyone could ever do. But it's, it's such a juxtaposition from your day-to-day -day life, like my king-size bed in my <laughs> too big with a hot shower right. and then you, you kind of jar yourself awake a little bit by making yourself uncomfortable so you have blisters your legs are sore your back is sore you did not sleep at all you are now wet because it rains every day you know and you've you've got to dry everything out over a campfire it's such a contrast to everyday life it kind of wakes it wakes up the man in you potentially i mean if you let it or you could be the whiny turd that just complains about everything. And you're like, nobody wants to be around this guy. This guy doesn't want to be around himself. Right. But the guy who's like, no, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to accept the challenge. I'm going to be uncomfortable. Uh, as Eric says, embrace the suck. And, or I like to say, not as crass away. Uh, hey guys, we're going to, this is how memories are made. Like this is going to be so miserable. You're never going to forget this. Yeah. And so doing something like that, that's really hard. Uh, I think it wakes up a man and builds character. And ultimately, you're the takes preparation to do that, right? You don't just go up there after uh, surfing your, your, your desk jockey job and then just go up into the mountains and hike around with 70 pounds on your back. It's just not how it works. So you are preparing for that. But ultimately, as Christian men, we should be using these things to prepare for the mission. Like if you look through the the theme, uh, the biblical theology of the wilderness throughout scripture, God sends men, especially prophets into the wilderness to prepare them for the ministry. Yeah. And so to prepare for the hard thing of the backcountry hunt is missing the mark in a way, because you should be using that to prepare yourself for the ministry that God is calling you to. 
And so doing those hard things, I'll tell you what, it's, it's weird how humanity, humans work and how they're geared. So when you go on a backcountry hunt and we didn't shoot anything and you know what? I'm kind of happy we didn't because that would have really been miserable. But after coming back home and thinking like, oh, that was really hard. It, when you're standing outside of like a Planned Parenthood and you're mm-hmm. preaching the gospel, for some reason, because you've done that, you've done the hard things, you've been uncomfortable and you've built that mental toughness and challenged yourself physically, in some ways it becomes easier. It becomes, it, it's a confidence builder. Like you become... Mm-hmm. Uh, you stand up straighter with a steely spine and it prepares you for the work of the ministry, you know? Man, so, that's, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that that wilderness theme that you're talking about, John the Baptist, it's always been intriguing to me that God did not call him to the city center in Jerusalem, called him yeah. to the wilderness and he sent the city out to him. And yeah. So counter anything that you hear, you know, in today's missiological circles or with, with contextualization or anything like that, you know, John, I want you to go preach in the wilderness and, and men being forged in the wilderness, you know, 20 years ago now, it's been 20, uh, yeah, 20 years ago this year, Eldridge wrote Wild at Heart, which has got a lot of flaws to it, but it hit something um, that I think had been missed or needed to be, you know, discovered as this idea of wilderness. And, you know, we're talking to primarily pastors here and you're a pastor. So uh, a lot of pastors are behind the desk. They're, they're meeting with people, but they're doing nothing like this whatsoever. So give a yeah. pitch. Like, why is it good for pastors in particular? Is you're kind of got, you know, you're, you've got, uh, you know, your life in two of these streams here, pastoral ministry and in the wilderness over here. Yeah. Give a pitch for guys to take up something like this, to do something difficult, to challenge themselves, to go out and do a, a half marathon or go, to go a backcountry yeah. hunt or something. Why is that valuable for a pastor in particular. Yeah. So the Proverbs say that a man without self-control is like a city with no walls. Okay. Like a city with no walls. So this man without self-control is on uh, any time that he's attacked, he's not defended. And so there are obviously different silos of humanity. You know, you have your spiritual, your physical and your mental, but they don't cleanly silo. They all cross over. Mm-hmm. And so one could be very um, mentally disciplined, very uh, well-learned in theology and very good at writing and preaching, um, but to ne- the neglect of the other aspects of their masculinity. And so doing things like uh, physical discipline, so working out or running or doing things that are challenging or uncomfortable is not just something that, well, that helps me with my body. For some reason, it also disciplines the mind. And, and here's the thing. So when you're looking at a man who is self-controlled, who is disciplined, you're looking at a man, a Christian man, that does not fear men, but fears God. That's the ultimate self-controlled, disciplined mm, man. It's good. It's one that does not fear man. He fears God. The man who fears God is untouchable. I mean, you look at, you talked about John the Baptist. Yep. He's he's out in the wilderness, right? He comes back, he does his ministry and people are coming to him. And then he sees the Pharisees, the leaders, like the people of power coming towards him. And he's like, look at these snakes. Who will (laughs) do the wrath that's to come? You know, like no fear of man whatsoever. He was beheaded for it. You know, when he challenged Herod. And so 
it's kind of like what Paul says, like, well, you kill me. That's fine. Like to live gain, you know, that's, yeah. that's all right. Either way, live, live or die. You can't touch me. And so as pastors, if you're going to be a man that stands up straight in the pulpit with shoulders back and be able to take uh, the, on the wolves that come against your people that are going to be able to contend for truth against things that are unpopular right now. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, one of my buddies had tweeted something about how uh, men that gossip are feminine, you know, because that's a, that's a typically a feminine sin. Like be a man, be direct. And oh man, you should see the people triggered in culture. They just hate that. Yeah. They hate that. And so if you're going to be a pastor and you're going to protect your people from wolves, you're going to be um, confronting sin and um, also in engaging the culture in that way, you have to be self-controlled and disciplined and uh, fear God. And so doing things, hard things, even, so you talk about, you know, in Illinois, you only have to walk eight minutes to your stand or whatever. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I'm, I'm used to doing that. Um, some harder things I've done, like hanging tree stands doesn't seem to be as, as easy, but, right. but there are hard things that you can still do in the Midwest. Um, I don't know if you've ever duck hunted, I haven't. I haven't. That's the, that's the hard. plan. Oh, man. Get a pair of waders, no boat, go in a marsh, carry 25 weighted decoys with a shotgun, and wade through muck. You want to do something hard? That's hard. <laughs> that's miserable. Uh, there are other things that you can do. Like, you, you mentioned half marathons. Like, just, you don't have to be into hunting or into the outdoors to do that. Um, but physical discipline and challenging yourself is important even even in other areas of life so like starting a business like working hard uh identifying areas in you know in the sphere of responsibility that god has given you and taking dominion over it yeah i i mean it's not just physical mm -hmm. uh, but being physical does something to a man yeah. It really does. Absolutely. That's good. And I've got something in the, in the works. September is my first bear hunt. So I'm heading up to Minnesota about an hour South of Duluth and I'm going to hunt a bear, not with my bare hands. I've got, I'm trying to decide whether or not to bring, I've got a 308. I got a Remington 308 that I bought last year, or I'm going to bring my, my slug gun, which is what we have to shoot deer here in Illinois with. And they hunt apparently a lot of bear up there with slug guns. And so I've got a 12 gauge slug gun that, that I may bring. Uh, it's got a scope on it. And uh, I mean, it works well for deer, but I, I may bring that up there. So I'm going to decide which one I'm going to take, but uh, that's going to, that's what I was thinking. I'll probably just take both. You know, I usually bring backup weapons on when I'm traveling. Okay. Uh, most of my hunts I travel because I've got to go like mm -hmm. drive to the mountains. Right. And so I'll bring backup weapons. Even a, uh, when I'm archery hunting, I have a backup bow. Not that it's a necessity, uh, yeah. but I also have like a pocket press and extra string and cables and stuff like that. But yeah, you don't want to ruin a hunt if you, you know, something goes wrong, your weapon malfunctions and you got to find a black uh, gunsmith or something like that. Yeah. You know? So bring it, I would bring it back up. That's the plan then. If Dan yeah. says it, Dan says it, that's what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's switch gears a little bit and talk, sure. uh, kind of venture into something you just introduced or brought us to. You're in pastoral ministry, but you've got 
this new work that you're doing, new business that you're starting. And a lot of guys in pastoral ministry are dependent upon. One of the reasons they may be afraid to address these issues, and it is a fear of man issue. They're not addressing Black Lives Matter nonsense or feminism nonsense or uh, transgender ideology and all that's going on with that kind of nonsense. Just everything that's going on around us, they're, they're not dealing with the issues in their church because they're afraid of those five women or those two deacons, whatever it may be. I, I think some of the men are scared very practically because they want to keep their job. And here you are doing this new work, and we've, I've talked to Brian about this as well, but, uh, and I'm doing some similar things. I'm trying to build up my home and, and think through what it's going to look like for me to transition in ministry when I'm in my 50s, not my 60s, due to various reasons. Um, but uh, why start a work? Why not continue just to focus in on what you're doing at your church? I mean, you, you've got good, effective work that's happening at Refuge. Uh, you've got your family. Why start something new? And why might that be helpful for some pastors to think through other revenue streams? Why? I mean, there's some practical reasons that I think you'll get to, but uh, why should guys consider doing something like, maybe totally different, but something like what you're doing? Yeah, man, that's that's a good question. So this, I had read an article a few years ago by C.R. Wiley, and it was called The Anti-Fragile Pastor. I don't know if you've read it. It's I very good. He introduced okay. me to a man named uh, Nassim Tlaib. I can't, I, I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce his name, but he wrote like Black Swan, Anti-Fragile, uh, Fooled by Randomness. So he was a, um, he did, he worked in the stock market anyway, uh, as a risk mitigation kind of guy. But the, I'm, now I'm getting away from the point. The point was uh, C.R. Wiley had recommended his works where he talks about being anti-fragile because this idea of anti-fragility is uh, Nassim Tlaib was having a difficult time finding out what, what is the opposite to something that's fragile because durable things still break. You know, if, if I take my minivan off-roading and my truck, like the truck is more durable, but it's still going to break when it hits something, you know, but what what is a good word to describe something that meets opposition and actually gets stronger? You know, like weightlifting. Uh, you're meeting opposition and the body responds by getting stronger. And his answer was anti-fragility. And so C.R. Wiley took this and said, pastors are very fragile because as you've noted, pastoral work is very high risk. It's very high risk. Yeah. I mean, not, not just character qualifications. You can disqualify yourself in a moment like you start looking at pornography, like you're done. Yep. You um, uh, don't manage your household well, done. Like you, the character qualifications in themselves are high risk, not to mention that you say the, the right thing from the pulpit and the wrong people get upset about it, uh, you're out of a job. Like you're fired, uh, the people leave the church, you know, there's a financial situation or even a third option, which is, uh, something outside of your control happens that causes the church to close. So if, uh, you know, like something happens in kids ministry or in any other area, God forbid, and there's a lawsuit, even though you had nothing to do with it directly, the church is done. And so being a pastor, very high risk work. So what do you do to make sure that you're protecting your household and that you're not a hireling so that you, you don't avoid the hard things? You don't avoid those hard things because you're afraid that you might not be able to feed your family. So you don't want to do that and be a hireling. So the answer is to have multiple streams of income to balance that high risk job out with something that's lower risk. 
Yep. And uh, don't confuse risk and volatility because people will say like, oh, starting a business is high risk. It's actually low risk. I can tell you exactly what my risk is starting the Wilderness Warrior uh, because it's how much money I've spent. That's how much risk I have right now. Right. But the volatility is really high. So some days I might make money and some days I won't make any money, you know? Um, and so that's what I would advise pastors to start doing is to start looking at other streams of income. And so as pastors we, and Christians, we have cheat codes, right? We know the reason that the universe exists and the foundations of it and the foundations of truth. And we know humanity. And, and so in a lot of ways, we have cheat codes for society and culture because we know how people work and how God works. And we're given this, this mandate to go and take dominion. And, and so we should be able to look out into different areas of life and say, I, I'm going to put my hands to work in this area of life and take dominion and start a business doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I would advise pastors to start looking at is yeah. diversifying their income. And e even if it's, I, I mean, if you, if you have been uh, a coward in the pulpit and not spoken to these things because you're afraid of what might happen, you'd need to repent yeah, because you're, right. God will not bless your ministry. You are becoming a hireling and you're in danger of um, becoming a, like a curse to the people. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so that would be first is to repent and repentance could look like then starting different streams of income. Yeah, that's helpful. That's so helpful. And it could look like resigning as well, because if you're not Absolutely. willing, if you're not willing, if you're out of fear of people to, and you fear people more than you do God, then there's some serious problems and yeah, go do something else, but don't be a preacher. And if, if you're going to, you will be judged, uh, you will. Absolutely. And uh, just thinking about that the other day in James chapter, chapter three, verse one, and we need to take that very seriously. I think there's pastors all across this land uh, in 20 and 21 that are 20 and 20, 21 are being revealed to be their, their hirelings. I mean, they just want to keep a job and they want to keep a paycheck. And so they're going to keep zooming their services and they're not going to do what God has called them to do because they're scared somebody's going to die. They're scared that uh, people are going to be upset with them. They're scared, you know, the world is watching. And so, man, I love that. Don't fear men and uh, preach the word. And then out of that, um, let that be the motive, not fear of man for going and starting these new works. Don't start these new works so you can continue to be cowardly. Uh, go start these new works because, uh, you know, there's, there's good work to be done. Okay, um, let's uh, switch gears one more time, and uh, then we'll bring things to a close here. Uh, you're doing many things with, uh, with this new work. It's not just the podcast. You're also, you got a clothing line that you're kind of working on and developing a little bit more and more. At least I know you got some shirts and stuff that are on the web website. Would you go ahead and tell us what else you're doing with this? Because if it's a business, it's got to be, I, I would think a little bit more than a website or a little bit more than a podcast. What's, what's your vision for this long-term, you know, one year, two years, 10 years down the road. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to count. I think we have four opportunities for income in this business because my background is actually in business okay uh in this space and so uh this comes more naturally to me this is how i was trained but yeah i'm doing apparel like the uh trade i'll share some trade secrets with you okay okay gotcha so what i'm doing is i pay a company to do screen prints for me onto heat transfer paper and then i transfer them on shirts so i did this one i did this one yesterday i'm doing yes. it if you aren't watching the video oh it looks so good it's awesome uh, uh, yeah, so I'm doing these, these shirts, I'm buying them wholesale, I'm doing the printing myself, and I'm 
I mean, it's a lot of work. It really is. It's a uh, inconvenience, mm-hmm. but I got a whole space set up in my garage. That's, and I, I mean, we've been doing, looking at this for months. So I've been educating myself, spent thousands of dollars trying to develop this so that I don't, so that I can produce a quality product. And so that's one area is the apparel side. And so right now we have t-shirts and I'm looking at sweatshirts, hats. Um, I'm also looking at different techniques to print on glass. And so that's one aspect of the business. And so um, real quick, as we go through these different streams of income, uh, another word I want you to think about is optionality. Okay. So if you have a, the ability to print t-shirts now, like that doesn't limit you to just one business. That's good. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, you know, we're starting a school. And so I can get clothing wholesale and I can print or embroider on clothing. So all of a sudden, like I can give a service to the church that's really valuable at a very cheap price. Yeah, that's good. You know, for school uniforms or whatever, or for other businesses that are starting in the church, because we have a lot of men that are have their own business. So now I can do that service for them. And if Wilderness Warrior were to fail, I mean, I have the stuff to do t-shirts. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, we have the apparel side and the merchandise side. We have the Patreon side. So what we're trying to do is that men, a man was not meant to be alone. Uh, you're, there's no such thing as like a lone warrior. Uh, and so men need gangs. And so this is one way that we can connect men that are in areas that, that don't have like good churches and good masculine pastors, uh, you know, and connect them into a tribe, a gang of men and then encourage them to move to a place that actually does have that, <laughs> you know, cause you have to be a community. Absolutely. But, so that's, that's another way is through Patreon and through, through support. Um, another uh, stream of income will be sponsorships. So uh, sponsorships are, are probably going to be a, a major part of the income for the podcast. Uh, and that's, um, you know, both work, both Eric and I working in the industry, um, the hunting and shooting industry. Uh, we have connections there and have already been approached by some people for, for doing some sponsorships. And so that Good. includes like a commercial during the show or product reviews will probably be another big stream. So you'll see like the new products coming out. And we'll give a review of them. Uh, so that's another stream of income. And then the last one is uh, through, oh, well, I can't recall. So maybe just three streams at this point. <laughs> okay. Do you guys got any plans about becoming, I know you, I probably have in the past, but have you thought about opening up for being guides, going to being hunting guides and, and make this into something where you got a lottery of guys that come because I'm, I've already been thinking about that. Like how can I yeah. get out there and, and get out there in the back country and, and get an elk with, with Dan. Uh, have you guys thought through that at all? I, uh, no, I haven't okay. really thought through it. I, I okay. at this point, I'm still, uh, I might be the wilderness warrior and have hunted for years, but I don't, I can help a buddy give an idea of like, Oh yeah, you're going elk hunting. This is what you should watch. You know, okay. watch the thermals, look for transition areas and for bedding. This is the feed you're looking for. But yeah, uh, I haven't really thought about guiding. Uh, okay. That would be uh, a whole okay. different game. I guess, so, yeah. All right. Well, before I let you go for the guys that may be interested in thinking, man, I, I want to explore, getting out in the wilderness and, and hunting. You're the Midwest guy. So tell us that the entry point, how can guys get started? And I really do want to recruit guys. You, it, this may not be your thing. Like you may not want to hunt. There's a lot of pastors that, you know, hunting is, is completely off the radar. And, and for you, you're just going to go out and you're going to run your half marathon. That's great. I mean, I'm a runner. I love that. 
But these other guys may be listening in. I, I really want to challenge you. I mean, I, hunting is going to be a part of my son's life, my life, my son's life for the rest of my life. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. And I've absolutely at 36, I started hunting and I or 35 and I absolutely love it. It's um, I got two deer. And in my last day, my the last day of season this year, I was standing in my backyard, Dan, and I did a distress, a, a, a fawn distress call. And I, there were four deer 70 yards on this backfield behind my house. And this one, yeah. this one doe comes walking up and through our tree line into our yard. And I was standing by a tree, was on full draw. This would have been my second bow kill this year. Yeah. And, and I spook her. I was on her for like one second and she spooks and runs off. This was the last day at sundown. Yeah. It was so close to my third. It was just intense. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but some guys want to do this, you know, would want to explore. So what's the, the you know, how, how do they do it? Where do they go? How do they start with hunting? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I would say if you've never hunted before, it is very intimidating. The, the learning curve is pretty steep especially when you're talking big game. And so, and people turn their noses at this, but honestly, squirrel hunting is it's great. the way to go. It is so much stinking fun. It is. And <laughs> one of the great things about it, you don't have to worry about the wind. You don't have yep. to worry about your scent. Yep. You don't have to worry about sound as much. You just kind of find some public land, get a 22 or a shotgun or whatever. I, I would advise a 22. Pellets are unpleasant to eat. They are. <laughs> But, you know, I'm sure you guys have uh, 22 sitting around from grandpa or something like that. Go out in the woods and you shoot a, shoot a couple squirrels, watch a YouTube video on how to clean a squirrel, and then put it in a slow cooker with, with some seasoning and give it a try. And I think you'll really like it. Uh, I mean, that's what I would do. And once you get acquainted with the land, like you start, seeing, start looking for deer trails and rubs and scrapes and things like that, you go, well, I mean... I'm, there are deer here, so maybe yeah. you can try it during archery season or a rifle season or something like that. But that's really what I would recommend uh, is to go squirrel hunting. Yeah, agreed, man. We did that this year and last year, and Ransom went with me and absolutely loved it. We actually got him a little pellet gun this year because he, he was shooting with his old daisy gun that was mine when I was a kid and yeah. couldn't, couldn't hit the squirrel. So we got him a, a high-powered air rifle, and hopefully he'll get some. But yeah, that is a great entry point, man. Squirrel hunting is a blast. I went with a 22 and I've went with a uh, 12 gauge and we were shooting in these tall oaks. I mean like 150 feet tall. Yeah. And so we had to get way up there. So I was shooting with a 12 gauge and I've been into some of those pellets for sure. <laughs> That's oh, not yeah. Yeah. Uncomfortable. But the nice thing with uh, doing a small game hunt is if you, if you bring a shotgun out and you're in the, I mean, like in my old stomping grounds in Northern Wisconsin, I mean, you have not just squirrels, but you also have rabbits and uh, ruffed grouse. And I know that you probably have more quail than ruffed grouse, if there are any quail around. I don't even know. Yeah. You know, so you get options to just go out and you're like, we're going to get the mixed bag today. You know, just see what happens. Kind of like fishing for work with worms. Yeah. You're just like, I don't know. We'll see what bites, you yeah. know, sort of thing. <laughs> right. So it's really fun to do small game. And you don't have to wake up early to do it. You do it any time of the day. The seasons are really long and you don't have to worry about scents and all that. It's just great. Yeah. Agreed. Cosign. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us again the website where we can find the podcast and all that, and then we'll let sure. you go. Yeah, sure. It's at wilderness-warrior.com. And you can find us on all the, um, all of the different podcast uh, places like Apple and, and uh, Stitcher and things like that. So good deal. Good deal. Well, we've been talking to Dan Burkholder. And it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on the show. Thanks, Jared.
Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.